The first lady attended. She looked nice. Jill. She had like a beautiful. uh, No, first lady of um, the United States, Jill Biden. Oh, she she went with her granddaughter and they looked lovely. Uh, Did Joe not go? Joe didn't go. No, he had other things going on, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. I would have thought he would have been there. Yeah, I don't know. I think there probably was some scheduling stuff. I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, being president or whatever. Got a lot of stuff going on. Is that even hard? I'm just kidding. Hey, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? Like, it's hard? <laughs> I could totally be president. Totally. And then not have a mental breakdown every day? I don't think so. Dude, I have one in my regular job. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. President? Piece of cake. Totes. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre Content. content. I am still feeling the party from last night. (laughs) Just very unusual for me. She said, come through. I have a hangover. (laughs) (laughs) My headache is finally gone after we spent like the last two hours chatting. Oh, good. Better. Did you take you should take some Tylenol for your headache? Oh, I did. I did. Oh, good. Yeah, good. It definitely helped. I I didn't even. This is the thing. We didn't mm. even drink that much. It oh. was one of our friends is like really into like craft breweries and craft sure. beers and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently, anytime that they hang out together as a unit, they will bring in different types of beers that they've found or different local brewery beers that they found sure and they'll split them uh because apparently some of them are like 20 percent as a oh beer (laughs) and whatever the last one was it was like a great stout don't get me wrong i'm a huge stout fan love it Mm -hmm. it hurt my (laughs) i had to wake up early for a nail appointment and i really thought i was gonna die (laughs) oh no (laughs) and it was split it was split between four of us. Oh, God. So I just want to put that in perspective. So I'm I'm rare form today. She is. She's rare form today. It's good, though. <clears throat> it's all good. But it's going to be a great episode. It is. It's going to be a great episode. Um, Just, you know, before we get started, as per usual, mm-hmm. we are not experts on anything. Kirsten is not an expert on planets. No. Um, but she does reference the NASA website quite often. So I do. just be aware of that. And then um, if you want to learn about fun things that you may otherwise not learn about in your day-to-day life, please day-to-day. come and join us. Otherwise, you know, do your own, do your own research, fact check us. We love it when you do that. It's please. the best. And I know that sounded sarcastic, but I really do mean it. <laughs> fact check us. We freaking love it. <laughs> we love it we really do um, and yeah so just you know use your judgment be adults you're doing great it's good yeah, everything everything great. is fine everything is fine um i'm gonna take us into the good news though real quick before so we excited. get into that so i have so i have a little preview on mars i'm so happy. um because that is our next planet if i am not yes. mistaken yes um, so this is a little 
update preview before we go to the next planet. Um, so <clears throat> the Chinese Zerong Martian um, rover recently found evidence of salty liquid water droplets that indicate that it may have had snow and frost on Mars as recently as 400,000 years ago. Wow. Which, you know, some would say, oh, well, 400,000 years ago doesn't seem that recent. And I would agree with you. Sure. But to put that in perspective, scientists believe that Homo sapiens evolved around 300,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is possible that our earliest ancestors may have walked the earth the same time that water was present on Mars, which, which is, is kind crazy. of cool, especially when you think about like the big, you know, how, when you talk about evolution and yeah. science and you, they, they say that like human mm. existence is just like 1159 on the clock. Sure. Compared to like everything that's happened on earth right. since its existence. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. I think. Yeah. In relative perspective, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so through calculations um, that have previously demonstrated that conditions for water are possible on Mars, this is the first occasion in which evidence of liquid water has actually been found on the planet. Amazing. So we knew, and because that is old news, that we knew that water could be on Mars. But now we have actual physical evidence, which I think is lovely. Perfect. Um, the study team found important morphological features on the dune surfaces, such as crust cracks, granulation, polygonal ridges, and strip-like trace. Salts okay. in these dunes, which are estimated to be between 0.4 and 1.4 million years old, cause frost or snow to melt at low temperatures to form salty liquid water. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So basically they found all mm -hmm. of the um, prints in the soil that made it seem like there could be water flowing at one time. And then they actually found some liquid water. Okay. Um, yeah. And so the geophysicist at the Science Academy of, or the Chinese Academy of Sciences, excuse me, mm -hmm. um, said we inferred that these dune surface characteristics were related to the involvement of liquid saline water formed by the subsequent melting of frost or snow um falling on the salt containing dune surfaces so it's like even if it's not just like a proof of water it's proof of other types of weather yes which also is that also highly important yeah because that uh, influx of weather is what our water goes through yes as well exactly exactly so we see this huh. evidence of the changing uh -huh. states of water as right. well right so the discovery was hailed by the igg team as providing key evidence of liquid water at martian low at latitudes where surface temperatures are relatively warmer and more suitable for life mm -hmm. than that of high altitudes mm-hmm mm -hmm. Um, the Zhurong rover, which was part of China's Taiwan 1 Mars exploration mission, landed on Mars in 2021 and at the landing site at the southern edge of the Utopia Platania, which which Kirsten will tell us more about when we go over mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. in the next episode. Um, 
or the next planet episode, the largest impact on the base. So yeah, so that was the large, so the rover that landed there was the first one to explore that area of our right. solar system. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um. Yeah, and that's like pretty much it. Yeah. So basically, they found more evidence of water on Mars, which is very exciting. And it's exciting because it sounds like a weather event, which is exciting because that means Mars had weather, which also means Mars may have also had seasons, Yep. which could be interesting. Or at least different climates at different places exactly. in, the, in on the planet. And we'll, ironically, we'll kind of almost a little bit touch on that in today's episode about Venus because it's a similar story sort of um it's not exact but it's interesting that this is coming up because it's gonna it's gonna tie in really nicely (laughs) so what we're gonna talk about today something about our sister planets like our you know they're just right next to us they have obviously similar characteristics because they're so well I say so close but you know what I mean like close enough (laughs) fair yeah Uh, um yeah you're welcome thank you (laughs) (laughs) nice segue (laughs) all right so now we're going to switch gears for a brief moment and we're going to talk about the plant hotel in singapore um so in case you're planning a trip to the other side of the world um in the richest city state aka singapore the biophilic Capita Spring Tower in Singapore is now fully bursting with publicly accessible urban forests. I've heard about this and I'm so hyped about this. <laughs> I hadn't until I saw this article, but it's very exciting. So yes. in Singapore's business district, you have to go 17 to 20 stories above street level to find wide open greenery. Mm. On the Capita Springs green oasis floor accessible to the public a spiral path winds through gardens and small replicants of tropical forests like the kind that stood there before singapore became the urban city that it is Mm -hmm. on the roof three rooftop market gardens supply fruits vegetables herbs and flowers to three on-site restaurants and trees grow in nooks in the building's the cade facade facade you nailed it facade <laughs> as o- as often as windows so ground broke on this building in 2018 under the supervision of two of Europe's greatest architecture firms the Carlo Ratti Associati which sounds really italian yes it does and the Bjark Ingels group which sounds Swedish almost. I was going to say, I don't know what that sounds like, but it's not Italian. <laughs> it's not Italian. Um, so due to the unique character of Singapore's urbanism, both extremely dense and green, we decided to make the design a vertical exploration of tropical urbanism. Um, like a vision of the future of a future in which city and countryside culture and nature can coexist, which I think is just so beautiful. So beautiful. It's lovely. In total, the 51-story building houses over 80,000 trees and plants across 90,000 square feet of landscaped area. I didn't know the numbers. That's incredible. It is. It is. Um, It's a reflection of the belief of the nation's founder, Lee Kuan Yew, who referred to the city-state as a garden city. 
despite 6 million people filling an area <laughs> smaller than the greater than greater London, mm-hmm. plants are easy to come by and are in fact a legal requirement for building regulations. Nice. Yes. As a result, Capita Spring is just one of the several biophilic skyscrapers and other large buildings in the area. So, so cool. Singapore really be, you know, experimenting with the possibility of having a forest in a skyscraper. Yes. I mean, honestly, number one, it deals with air quality control in urban areas that have a lot totally. of pollutants. So totally. that's number one. But also two, uh, it keeps things cooler. Um, it also positively impacts like greenhouse gases and the pollution overall of a big city. Cause the reality is you have to have a city these days. There's just too many people and too many jobs in one area. Yep. So yep. makes sense. I agree. I love it. So um, that's, that's the good news for everyone. I freaking love it. And I love that one of them was space related. Yes, I knew you would. I I tried really hard. You know, it's kind of turning into Blair Science Corner too. I'm not going to lie. You know, I thought about that and I was like, you know what? These are the best ones that I could find. We're just going to go with it. It's okay. I like it. It's, it's just gonna slowly be fine. morphing in. I mean, it's all good news. Even if it was yeah. called Science Corner, it's all good news. Exactly. And it's all like usually good news. I'll say it again. Mm. It's all about like either science related or it's like about animals which is science related or it's about like a cure for cancer which is science Science related related. like it's always (laughs) it's always about that i don't know why maybe we just gravitate towards it and we just find Mm -hmm. the science and everything i don't think i'm that much of a nerd but who knows really i would disagree um (laughs) (laughs) thanks bro nerd fam Uh, I'm going to continue to nerd out on the space theme, though. Sounds good. Sounds Uh, good. Oh, I thought this was about razors. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) It is not about Venus razors. We are going to the planets. (laughs) If you thought we were sponsored by Venus razors for this episode, you're wrong. Can you imagine? That would be awesome. I mean, kind of, I guess. I don't really. I mean, I don't. That would be wild. But it'd be cool. I mean, if Gillette wants to sponsor us, that'd be cool for this episode. We're talking (laughs) about Venus. The episode is called I'm Your Venus, I'm Your Fire. So <laughs> I definitely did not s- steal that from a song lyric. <laughs> no, she didn't. Absolutely not. <sighs> not a well-known commercial. No, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to take us on a side tangent really quick. Please. You know, I would be way more impressed with razor commercials if they were to like use their razor on like a really hairy leg or yes. like an animal of some kind. Yes, I would agree. Um, because they're already shaving in the commercials. They're shaving, shaving, legs shaved already. legs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, what the heck is that about? And it's actually, this isn't even just uh, women related. It's men too. If you watch their face shaving commercials, they are clean shaven already. Already. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing, nothing. There. I need a manly man with a beard <laughs> and then just like take it off. I want to see it start to finish. Okay. I also want to see you struggle in the shower, figure out where to put your leg. I want, right. I want to see my struggle on TV. <laughs> I want the whole, I want to feel represented in my shaving experience. Absolutely. Yes. And then I want to see it in one of those like hotels that has just a walk-in shower with zero pedestals, zero benches. And I mm-hmm. want to, I want you to show me what you would do. That's right. I just want to see the contortion happen to them. Like just sitting in the sink. Just, just, I've decided to screw it and just do it in the sink. 
because nobody have definitely has experienced that nobody nobody Mm -mm. Mm um so venus (laughs) the planet (laughs) (laughs) so we are talking about venus today and it is the planet and not the razor set um again i'm just on a kick we're just gonna run through it uh i would also like to say i'm gonna skip over earth so mars will be next i'm gonna save earth till after pluto just come back to that um because i mean we talk about earth a lot it's just kind of you know old news that's fine i'm not offended at all (laughs) okay good (laughs) if you were we're still gonna do that way (laughs) just kidding just skip on over us kirsten we're not important i understand we're also not as fascinating in my opinion well we already know a lot about it I guess. we do i mean we live here so that makes sense but we don't live in places we go like here it's we fine. go here um venus on the other hand uh is actually considered earth's twin and you would think that odd considering mars and all the research that we've done there but uh it's venus actually uh, if you don't know, Venus is the second planet from the sun. We did talk about Mercury already. That was great. Um, mm-hmm. The distance Venus is from the sun is about 66 million miles or 107 million kilometers. And it is 38 million miles or 61, oh, excuse me, 38 million miles or 61 million kilometers from Earth. So a little bit closer to us, obviously. Nice. Um, The one-way light time to the sun, again, this is how long it takes for sunlight to reach the planet, is about five minutes, almost six minutes. Um, And I think Mercury's was like three minutes. Yeah, it was like three and a half or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously further away from the sun, so it's going to take a little bit longer for the sun to reach the planet. That makes sense. Yes. Um, what doesn't make sense are the next sentences I'm about to say. So I'm going to say them and then I will allow you to see if you see the problem. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. The length of one year is 225 Earth days. The length of one day is 243 Earth days. Hmm. <clears throat> do you feel the difference? I don't do you feel, like it. Do you feel the disturbance? I don't like it at all. So it doesn't even rotate a full time when it goes around the sun. Correct. That's <laughs> stupid. I don't like it. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> is it because she's big? Is she is she a large one? It's because she's thick. No. Is it, thick? <laughs> it is not because she's thick. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, mm. So just let that rest on your mind for one more second. Um, similar to Mercury, uh, Venus is considered a terrestrial planet. And again, those are four types, gas giant, very gassy, super earth is just a rocky world. That's bigger than earth. Neptune, like very gassy, but the size of Neptune and terrestrial rocky and physically harsh. So my personality traits. Uh, so the reason that (laughs) you might be complicating the numbers between a one day and a one year situation for Venus Uh, Venus's axis is actually backwards relative to how other planets spin on their axis. So, for example, Earth may be spinning clockwise rotation, Mm -hmm. like, but horizontally or vertically Mm -hmm. or whatever the word I'm looking for is. Mm -hmm. But Venus is doing the opposite of that. So if Earth is turning to the right, Venus is turning to the left. Okay. 
Okay, so that's number one. Sure. All right. Um, also, the planet itself is spinning slowly backwards. Right. So this established, caused, yeah. Yes. Established it was very slow. Very slow. And it's not because she's thick, she's just slow. All right. So Venus has one day longer than a single year because of that backwards slow rotation so overall it says it should take sunrise to sunset about 117 earth days ish something like that i don't know whatever the number so that's is like 12 hours yeah roughly. something like that so that's why it's weird i uh, would hate living there oh my god i mean it's not like you're going tomorrow I, mean, I know but i'm just saying like it would be it would be you weird. would think because it was so close to like where we are in mm-hmm. relatively. I mean that, that it yeah. would be very similar in the way that it yes. turns and everything. Also, just to make you a little bit more uncomfortable, that also means the sun would rise and set differently as well. <laughs> so that's true. Sun rises true. in the west and sets in the east on east. Venus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I hope that made you just a little more uncomfortable. Eh. You're welcome. Um, Orbit. So Venus actually has an orbit closer to the sun than you might think. Uh, You might think that Mercury has a, you know, that better proximity. But again, Mercury has that kind of egg shape anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So realistically, if you're looking at it from an orbit standpoint, Venus is actually seen almost rotating in line with the sun in some cases um, and is technically then closer relatively it will also exhibit phases because of that as well like Mm -hmm. our moon uh and it's considered uh, a full phase rotation from new to full of venus is about 584 days whereas our moon is of course 30 days basically yeah much less much significantly less um and then also venus is considered to be named after the roman goddess of love and beauty venus is also one of the only planets to be named after a female goddess instead of a male god so like Mm. neptune is yeah a god a man yeah yeah. so Mm -hmm. yeah she's a goddess what she's a queen she is a queen Um, But this is what she looks like. So she has a diameter. I didn't do radius this time. So she has a diameter of 7,000 miles-ish, which is about 12,000 kilometers. Uh, She does appear a little bit yellow. She has thick yellow clouds that swirl around her atmosphere, and she does actually have an atmosphere. Wow. Um, I know. How developed. Wow. (laughs) She's next level. (laughs) Um, You would need an extremely thick pressurized outer shell to avoid being crushed by the weight of her atmosphere. Um, This would push you down uh, about 0.6 miles or one kilometer deep in the ocean. Uh, The atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide. So the same thing that is in our greenhouse effect on Earth. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, With clouds composed of sulfuric acid. And at the surface, the hot, high-pressure carbon dioxide uh, behaves in a corrosive fashion. 
Um, but a stranger transformation begins as you get higher because that temperature and pressure actually begins to ease. So like, you know, if you were to walk up a mountain that's really high on mm-hmm. earth, your pressure would mm-hmm. increase and stuff like that. It's actually the opposite on Venus. So she's, just, she's legitimately like the twin that is the exact opposite. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> also, if the clouds are composed of sulfuric acid, that means it only acid rains. Isn't that great? That's great. What a great environment. She really be out here being like, y'all can't come here. I know. She said, good luck. Good luck. (laughs) And we'll see that in our exploration section as well. Mm, It's really tragic. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Her structure is very similar to ours. She has an iron core enveloped by hot rock mantle and the thinnest of skins formed a rocky exterior crust. It's very thin. Um, Sometimes in that thin skin, it will change form and erupt. So she actually has many volcanoes on Mm. the surface uh, Mm. and it just kind of depends on how the heat and pressure is going on underneath that mantle area. So, you know, Mm. she always exploded, but she has no moons and no rings. So nobody put a ring on it yet. Um, her landscape overall is valleys and mountains for the most part. And again, just inundated with volcanoes of all types and structures. Um, its surface feature, most named for real and mythical women, include Ishtar Terra, which is a rocky highland area around the size of Australia, and that's at her North Pole. And an even larger South American-sized region called Aphrodite Terra, and that would stretch along her equator. Um, She does have a mountain that reaches 36,000 feet or 11 kilometers, which is, uh, or yeah, or 11 kilometer kilometers. Why is my brain having a struggle with that? (laughs) No, kilometers is correct. Or kilometers. I mean, really. But I say kilometers. I don't know why my brain just like, yeah. Yeah. That's really weird. Um, 36 feet. (laughs) Uh, The point is that one mountain is higher than You said 36 feet. That is not 36. 36 th- See, thousand. that's what my brain couldn't catch all up. Right, yeah. All right, all right. That was so, weird. 36,000 36, feet. Yep. Which, yep. if you don't know, is higher than our Mount Everest. Um, And notably, except for Earth, Venus has by far the fewest impact craters overall as a rocky terrestrial planet. So, oh. technically, a really young surface comparatively. Hmm. Um. As we discuss in most things uh, related to planets, uh, potential for life is an important factor sure. uh, for some reason. <laughs> it's like, are we moving or are we not? You know, we're not. Just, we're not. <laughs> straight to Venus. Um, we can't go there. Oh my God. <laughs> well, clearly, I'm about to tell you why. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. It's really sad. I'm sure. Uh, get your tissues out. Uh, It's going to be a little sad moving forward with the potential for life for Venus. So the reason is Venus may have once been a habitable ocean world, but that was about a billion years ago. Essentially what they are hypothesizing, which is horrifying given our current climate, Mm. um, is a runaway greenhouse effect turned all the surface water to vapor that would slowly leak to space creating the current volcanic rock being blasted at high temperatures and pressures and taking over the rest of the planet and overheating it. And now 
this is what we're left with. Mm -hmm. Venus is a great example, in my opinion, of what we are striving not to do. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) this Mm -hmm. is my, so this is segueing away from NASA. This is my words now. In my opinion, based on the research and based on what NASA has to say about what we have collected in terms of data on Venus, Mm. great example of why we should be studying these neighbor planets in form of direction of what could happen realistically you know um and in contrast uh with things that could make other worlds right uh we should also be looking at venus and looking at things that could make this very bad uh, longevity wise for earth so that's just my take on all of this um, the planet could accommodate earthly life, such as extremophiles currently right now. Those are microbes that actually thrive in these extreme environments, which we actually have those on Earth as well. It's not planet-wide. It's a uh, region and environment within the Earth-wide. Yes. Um, but essentially, these extremophiles thrive in these environments, and the atmospheric pressure uh, at about 30 miles up or 50 kilometers is actually similar to that of Earth's surface. So it's like you have these extremophiles, but you also have these similarities in pressure where our life that is not an extremophile could thrive potentially, even in its current state. So like currently microbes that live like in heat vents and at the bottom of the ocean and stuff like that are the same ones potentially that live Mm -hmm. in Venus. Yep, exactly. Cute. And they only survive because they can, because they just yeah they can just take it on they're just yeah they're they're small microbes that have very limited amounts of Mm -hmm. needs exactly um as you can assume also venus then has some crazy weather that's going on Uh, (laughs) so venus has zero seasons uh the temperatures remain high this is due to the measly three degree tilt uh that's compared to earth's 23 degrees tilt that provides Mm. us our seasons in certain areas of the world um and also a factor that makes life on earth more bearable you'd be surprised how 20 degrees can make such a difference (laughs) between the two apparently yeah yeah uh, Venus can also have winds upward of 224 miles an hour. That's 360 kilometers an hour. And its surface temperature ranges of upwards of 900 degrees Fahrenheit or 480 degrees Celsius. And that is enough to melt lead, which has a melting point of 621 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> so cute. Um, for us. So if we were to leave there or leave here and go there tomorrow, uh, we would 100% be melted. (laughs) And so like in addition to the pressure, so if we like made Mm -hmm. a suit out of (laughs) something that could withstand the pressure, it would most likely just get melted anyway because it's so hot. Absolutely. Super fun. Love that for us. And think about this structure wise too, because they always think about like, or they always discuss for mars for example like oh we could put like pods on mars and live in pods because they're like uh, structural spaceships that just sit on the surface and stuff like that you could not do that on venus because of how pressurized and heat Mm -hmm. resistant they would have to be and volcano resistant Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. earthquake resistant because if you don't know about volcanoes they usually have some form of earthquake associated with it 
Correct. So talking all kind, and not even to mention the freaking 224 mile an hour winds whipping by you. Like, it's a little ridiculous. It's apocalyptic for sure. <laughs> she is her own, you know? Yeah. She just embraces herself how she is. <laughs> you know what? She's the only girl of all the mm-hmm. planets, and it's tough being a girl. It is. You know? I bet they call her dramatic too. I know. You probably do with her extremophiles that's right and her acid rain <laughs> she's uh, always erupting she's she's, so, she's so dramatic oh uh, okay poor thing for real um but we'll talk about maybe her younger years after the break and then the inferno that she came to be great no wait <laughs> see you after the break Welcome to the ad segment of this week's podcast. Normally, we have something witty to say that would segue you into the second half of the podcast, but not this time. For this ad break, we've created a random groove segment built exclusively for the vibes. Enjoy these calming tunes before you come re-immersed in all things mediocre content. that nice always good to set the mind at ease if only for a few seconds we hope you enjoyed this calm transition to the next half of the podcast see you on the other side welcome back we're still talking about venus um but we're going to talk about her younger years um great yeah (laughs) she ain't looking that great right now but she she's gone through quite a few changes over the billions of years that she's been in our system Mm -hmm. so formation in reality these are all theories and they're not fact they're just what we think has happened and that is because of our exploration section which we'll get to um so a critical question for scientists is searching for life among the stars how do habitable planets get their start which is what we consider venus to have been a habitable planet um and the close similarities of early Venus and Earth in their very different fates provide kind of like a test case that we were talking about earlier for how it could have been formed and where we might be headed, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they have a similar size, their interior structure. Uh, they both harbored oceans in their younger days. Obviously, Earth oh. still has theirs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, thank God. Um But obviously, one went down a very different route at some point. Uh, And comparatively, Earth still has its abundant life, its oceans, its overall structure still intact in terms of seasons and weather, sort of. Right. Right. Um, And so uh, the factors that set these planets on almost opposite paths begin what they think most likely to be the swirling disk of gas and dust in general from which they were born. I thought you were going to say like swirling disk of doom. 
<laughs> no, it's just gas. She just has gas. <laughs> <laughs> just gas. My bad. Um, so if you smell something, it's Venus for sure. Uh, somehow, between 4.6 billion years ago, that disc around our sun formed, cooled, and then settled into the various planets of our solar system. Several might have well moved in closer or further as the solar system moved. Obviously, Mercury's got that weird orbit happening, so he still don't know what he's doing. But better knowledge of the formation history of Venus could help us better understand Earth's. And it sounds like I'm talking around in a circle. You want to know why? Because that's all they can do. Uh, Their exploration out of 40 spacecraft that have been launched, um, very few have been successful for any country. And there have been at least Japan, the USSR at the time, and us uh, that have tried (laughs) desperately to make Venus happen. Uh, So, three new Venus missions are anticipated to launch within the next decade. Cool. However there's been a lot of misfires that they are trying to learn and overcome from. Mm -hmm. So focusing on the U S for a second, NASA's Mariner two was the first spacecraft to visit any planet beyond earth when it flew past Venus on December 14th, 1962. And you might be thinking Mariner two, what is there a Mariner one? Yes, there was, it failed drastically in 1962. Okay. Uh, However, Mariner 2 gathered data in a 42-minute scan that would forever essentially change how we view Venus. Uh, It revealed Venus's runaway global hothouse, as it is now, and Mm -hmm. kind of vaulted the understanding of what went wrong in the climate and how close it was to Earth. So that was really important. Uh, exploring Venus is obviously difficult because as we talked about, it's got a lot of heat, pressure, and winds and volcanic activity. Uh, the longest any spacecraft has survived on the surface is little over two hours, (laughs) (laughs) which was a record set by the Soviet Union's, uh, probe Venera 13 in 1981. (laughs) So it's a lot. And that's why it's taken so long for us to regroup. (laughs) I just imagine a bunch of guys sitting in a room <laughs> and they're like, okay, guys, we've gotten past the two hour mark. Everybody stay calm. <laughs> and then it just flips off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, NASA's Da Vinci mission is next up uh, with a planned probe landing in 2031, but we're, you know, it'll focus on atmospheric descent. <laughs> so just getting in. <laughs> It's atmosphere. (laughs) Um, But there is also a chance it will send surface data back for a few minutes. It just cracks me up. I know that there's geniuses working on this, but these are the strides that we're trying to make on Venus. We just want to (laughs) land. She's like an onion. She has layers. (laughs) They're like, you get past the atmosphere, and when you touch her surface, you just instantly incinerate. You die. How do we fix that? Oh God! Uh, but NASA's Veritas and ESA's Envision will follow with orbital 
observations, which is are a little more safe. And that mm-hmm. will happen in the 2030s. They don't actually have good. to touch down. They just have to orbit the planet. <laughs> orbit is good. I mean, so I have a question about yeah. orbiting because it doesn't have any um, like moons mm. or anything orbiting it. Does it have a strong gravitational pull? That is an excellent question. I assume so, but I don't know. Um, but what I can do Venus's gravitational pull. We love a good Googling. (laughs) (laughs) And then what I'll also do is Earth's gravitational pull, right? Reasonable. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Earth has a gravitational pull of 9.8 meters per second squared. Okay. Venus has an 8.87 meters per second. So it does have a, a, I mean, it, we have a moon that mm-hmm. orbits us with our gravitational mm-hmm. pull so realistically so she could have a moon if she wanted one i mean she could yeah yeah <laughs> so she she's single and loving it right now apparently mm-hmm. <laughs> um so also to just kind of put this in perspective uh <sighs> successful missions as i have stated and as we have divulged it ain't been a lot oh, um good out of the total 31 missions, 32 if you count a semi-successful encounter from Japan in 2010, which we can for the sake of science. Um, out of those, there have been 30 to 32 successful missions and 11 failed out of 43. So it sounds great, but most of those successes were because they were flybys or orbits. If you are mm-hmm. looking at the total count of landing successes, it decreases even further. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we will talk about some some highlights, I guess, uh, from the U.S. because uh, there's not many anyway. Uh, so as we talked about, Mariner 1 had an impact failure in 1962, so they tried and failed successfully. Um, also in 1962, Mariner 2 had a flyby success, which as we talked about was not only the first, but also provided us the initial info. I love it. Like, because it was July and August, like it was mm. like back to back when it they was. launched. I love that they were like, so the first one's probably not going to work. So let's take a second one. <laughs> Regroup. <laughs> Already had it on hand. <laughs> What's interesting. Yeah. It was like, they had the backup ready to go. What's interesting to me, though, is it goes from Mariner 1 and 2 to Mariner 5 in 1965. (laughs) So uh, from 1962 to 1965, there had to have been a 3 and 4 that just never made the news. And or they just never made it off the ground. That's fair. Or maybe they were delegated to another planet. That's also fair. You know, maybe Mariner 5 Mm -hmm. was just for Venus. I don't remember what the ones for Mercury or the moon were. So, But Mm. I remember Mariner in general. So maybe... Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just what happened. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but Mariner 5 had a flyby success, as did Mariner 10 in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know, the uh, flyby is literally it flew by the planet and that was its end all be all. But there's also an orbiter success, which means it did find orbit around Venus for a period of time. And that was successfully done by the Pioneer Venus 1 in 1978. Uh, with an impact success for Pioneer Venus 2 and also 1978. And that was May to August. Um, the same same situation. Oh, same like. Si- yes. Like, okay, so I'm just going to make another one just in case. Just in case. And they both served two different functions because mm-hmm. one ended up orbiting, one had full impact. 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how long that impact lasted, but it's, you know. I'm also curious about like what materials they're making these things out of. Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, in 1989, there was uh, Magellan. 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 Uh, it had an orbiter success as well. Galileo, uh, October of that same year, had a flyby success. And then in 1997, so we went from 1989 to 1997, uh, the Cassini had multiple flyby successes. So that's cool. We're increasing the amount of time it's in space, taking data, mm-hmm. even if it's not orbiting. And then that was the same story in 2018 with Parker Solar Probe, which also had multiple flyby successes. So didn't catch an orbit, but it did fly by multiple times and sent back data. So nice. that's that's a win to a point. Um, and then also, as I mentioned previously, there are missions in development. So in 2029... Uh, they want to be able to deploy and use the Da Vinci, which is hoping for an at, uh, an orbiter and atmospheric probe situation, and then the Veritas in 2031 as an orbiter. Um, apparently, instead of trying to land, um, it's just going to try and be in its orbit slash atmosphere, which is probably the best we could ask for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I want to be very clear that this is just the focus on the U.S. So during this time, the Soviet Union and Japan were also sending things out. And you can look at the different time frames that that was happening in the link that we provide on NASA's website in our description. Uh, You can go on there and it gives you the full list of all the successes and failures for all the countries and exactly what type of um, function their the craft was supposed to provide them yeah they also have which i'm looking at right now because i was Mm -hmm. curious to see if we could find like the materials Mm -hmm. some of these things were made out of yeah um they have a page for each individual uh craft oh cool okay pioneer venus 2 it um says like what nation it was and what the objectives were and like all, all the different instruments and stuff that it was had a board and then like how much it weighed and stuff but it does not say like what it's made out of i feel like it's probably not general knowledge but well yeah it could also potentially be confidential knowledge because i would Mm -hmm. also like to point out that this is also um in addition to like the moon and mars and exploring space there is the space race which we talked about in our first solar series episode and so what you don't want to do if you're competing with other minds is tell them exactly how you're being successful or how right. you're failing because you're anticipating them kind of going the same route as you um, right. and figuring it out on their own without having to just divulge, which I, I get. But as a scientific mind, I'm also like share like, yeah. <laughs> like this is a shared knowledge and we should all be like, you know, collaborating. Right. That's what makes science fun. Um, well, and the thing is, is I think as a society, we're moving more towards a global yes society anyway, with like the internet and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, if we do, excuse me, <clears throat> if we do establish <laughs> a, another like uh society on a different planet, it's going to yeah. be like a global <laughs> effort. Yeah. It's not going to, well, hopefully, who yeah, knows hopefully, really how that's right. going to turn out. Hopefully. It'll mm-hmm. be like a global thing, but yeah, you know, 
you never know. And never I, know. I, I think science is great. Obviously, that's why we're doing this series as well. I like space, but I also enjoy science. We enjoy science. And so I think it's important, especially in these discoveries that could influence either life on Earth or otherwise. Mm-hmm. I think it a good idea to expand and share that knowledge. <laughs> you know, you would think. Yeah, because I don't think Venus is great, but I don't think we want to be looking like her anytime soon. No offense. I mean, yeah. <laughs> honestly she a queen but she a little temperamental yeah exactly exactly and she's backwards yeah i that still bothers me it's like everybody else is going the right way and then venus is like nope i'm gonna go backwards you just had to be different this is why she doesn't have a moon she's attention seeking she destroys every craft she has attention seeking behavior Uh, but that's all I have for today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll just say. Mm. Um, feel free to send us an email with any questions, comments, or episode topic suggestions at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail dot com. You can also rate us five stars on any platform that you get your podcast, <laughs> and send us a tweet at mediocrecontent. Or excuse me, send us a tweet at mediocresquawks or follow us on Instagram at mediocrecontentpodcast. And we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.